Welcome to our time of devotion. We are delighted you have joined us. We hope you find these moments on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays as a time of encouragement during your week until we meet again on Sunday. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. Our scripture passage for today comes from the first book in the Bible. We are picking up the story of Jacob, who has tricked his father into blessing him instead of his older brother Esau. Jacob is now fleeing for his life to escape the murderous rage that is pulsing through Esau. We get to read a very familiar passage known as Jacob's Ladder. I will be re reading Genesis 28, verses 10 through 22, using the Voice Bible. Hear now the Word of God. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. As dusk approached one day, he came to a place where he could stay for the night. He saw stones scattered all around and put one of them under his head. Then he lay down to sleep. During the night, God gave him a dream. He saw a ladder set up on the earth and its top reached to the heavens. He saw some messengers of God ascending and descending on it. At the very top stood the Eternal One, who said, I am the Eternal One, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you are now lying is the land I have promised to give to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as many as there are specks of dust on the earth. You will spread out to the west, east, north, and south. Through your descendants, all the families of the earth will find true blessing. Knowing I am with you and I will watch over you no matter where you go, one day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done all I have promised you. The dream ended and Jacob woke up from his sleep. Jacob said to himself, There is no doubt in my mind that the Eternal One is in this place and I didn't even know it. But even as he said this, a bit of fear came over him. Jacob said, this place is absolutely awesome. It can be none other than the house of God and the gateway into heaven. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had put under his head, set it up as a pillar, and then poured oil on top of it to commemorate his experience with God. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God. Before that, the name of the city had been called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God is going to be with me, keeping me safe on this journey and giving me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I return to my father's house in peace, then the Eternal will be my God. And this stone I have made into a pillar will be the first stone laid in God's house. And Lord, of everything you give me, I will give you one-tenth always back to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, and eternal one who abides with us, we give you thanks for your presence, your power, and your unconditional love. Send your Holy Spirit now to enlighten us and counsel us as we examine your Holy Word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 
So it's interesting for us Christians to hear an Old Testament story of this new idea of God leaving heaven to actually be with humans. Every Christmas, we remember and celebrate the incarnational act of God being with us through the birth of Jesus. In Advent, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And then we also have the promise from Jesus at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, where he says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. But before Jesus, God was revealed in different ways to the ancient people of our Bible. So this latter is a big deal. It puts God in a different light than what we sometimes think of as the God in the Old Testament, who can at times sound full of anger, wrath, and vengeance. Instead, God is seen here almost as foolish, as he gives so much to the trickster Jacob. In fact, Jacob's name in Hebrew means schemer and usurper. In one of my favorite classes in seminary, Professor Craig Kester said this about the saga of Isaac's family found in chapters 26 through 50 of Genesis. And I wrote it in the margin of my Bible. Jacob fools Isaac and Esau. Laban fools Jacob. Jacob fools Laban. Sons fool Jacob. Joseph fools brothers. God fools everyone. I don't know about you, but I am stunned that God forms an alliance with Jacob of all people. God promises him land, offspring as numerous as the dust of the earth, well-being and blessings for others, as well as God's presence and protection. Wait, what? Two-faced Jacob gets all of this? But truthfully, it should come as a relief for me. If God can use and bless a self-centered swindler like Jacob, perhaps God can use and bless the likes of you and maybe me too. Knowing Jacob's tendencies well, one can understand why God might reveal God's self in a dream. Walter Brueggemann writes, the encounter takes place not in wakeful control, but in a time of vulnerable yielding while Jacob is asleep. Not that God is creeping around trying to sneak up on us, but we certainly can get into our own way at times. And just think about the wakeful world of Jacob. We can imagine that he was filled with fear, terror, loneliness, and perhaps even unresolved guilt. Jacob was all alone in a time when People truly needed a village of people for survival. Jacob would be wise to sleep with one eye open as predators, bandits, and an angry brother were most likely all waiting for the right opportunity to pounce. In this story, we see how God appears to unlikely people. We also see how God comes to unlikely places no one expects an encounter from God in this in-between place. This is just a random field under the stars where Jacob is camping for the night. Jacob has left his home, an important place, and he is en route to an important place where he, where he will ask his uncle Laban for Rachel to be his bride. And remember, uncle Laban tricks Jacob into marrying his other daughter Leah first, 
And then Jacob has to work for seven additional years to earn the woman he truly loves. It's all so unfair, especially to the women, but so unfair to Jacob in this patriarchal time. But one can hardly feel sorry for Jacob, right? It seems like he's finally getting a little of his own medicine. Anyway, this non-place where Jacob is sleeping for the night in the middle of nowhere becomes a sacred place of encounter with the holy. And I wonder how it might change our outlook if we truly believed that there is nowhere that God won't go. Each and every moment, each and every place is potential for an encounter with God. Our invitation is to stay present while we are awake. In her book, Amazing Grace, Kathleen Norris tells a marvelous story that helped me feel the power of Jacob's experience with God. One day she was waiting at an airport when her attention was captured by a young couple with a little baby. The baby was staring intently at passing people, and as soon as he recognized a human face, no matter if it was young or old, pretty or ugly, bored or happy or worried looking, he would respond with absolute delight, with the kind of whole body smile that only babies can give. Norris writes, it was beautiful to see. Our drab departure gate had become a gate of heaven. As I watched that baby play with any adult who would allow it, I felt as awestruck as Jacob because I realized that this is how God looks at us, staring into our faces in order to be delighted. And as Psalm 139 puts it, darkness is as nothing to God who can look right through whatever evil we've done and see our face, a face God loves, even the two-faced Jacob. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for being with us and for us throughout all of life. Wherever we go, help us to notice you in the unlikely places and faces of those we encounter, including our own. Amen.